0: Uh, Ladies, it truly is an honour to speak to you this morning. Um, Please know, like, thank you, Emma, for your introduction, um, but please know I don't have it all together. I think with every new situation I face, with every new challenge um, that God brings... um, along my path there is opportunities to learn contentment there is opportunities to come before god humbly uh, learn from his word learn from other women um, and growing contentment so um, there have been some things that i have been taught um, but ultimately ladies we're not here to learn from me today we're here to learn from god's word the verses that i'm about to read came alive for me in 2012 um Emma and I were studying our first uh, course in biblical counselling, and for our final assignment, which was hard, um, we had to we had to learn from Paul's life. We had to read a chapter in Acts, as well as read the whole book of Philippians more than once, um, and look at Paul's life and look at the circumstances he faced, and looked and we had to look at those circumstances and work out. Did those circumstances produce good fruit? Did those circumstances produce bad fruit? And as we analysed Paul's life, as we studied Paul's life, one of the things that blew me away was despite, not even despite, in the midst of Paul's circumstances, he was able to say that he had learned contentment. And it was a real eye-opening moment that Wow, I don't face half of these circumstances and contentment can be a challenge. So today, ladies, my prayer is that we will be encouraged by God's word, that we will be reminded of who God is and that we will grow in contentment. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for the privilege it is today to be able to open your word without fear of persecution. Lord, that we can open your word, trusting that you will speak in and through it. Lord, today... May we grow in contentment, uh, Lord, because it is you in whom we trust. Lord, use me. May they not be my words, but may they be your words. And may all of us walk away knowing you more. In Jesus' name, amen. So ladies, the passage that I would like to look at today is Philippians um, chapter 4, verses 8 to 13. So if you do have your Bible, please turn with me and I'll read it. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So, I did some research, I thought I'd find out what Dr. Google has to say about contentment um, and there is lots, but one of my favourites was a wiki how page and it had a three part series on learning how to be content. Uh, part one was change your perspective. Part two was changing your actions, and this little blog had pictures, and my favourite picture in this section was of someone taking a bath, so if only it was that easy. Um, And part three was developing habits of happy people. And then under each section, there were like 10 steps that you needed to do in order to be content. Uh, Some of their suggestions was live in the present, appreciate the little things, take time to reflect, simplify your life. pursue your passion stop insisting on having the best love yourself hang out with people who are content with their lives uh, just to name a few ladies if only contentment was this easy I love a good list I love things that I can tick off that I can cross out I just feel such a sense of satisfaction if only contentment was this easy but we know it's not ladies. We know it's not just a sequence of steps that we can tick off and then we've mastered it. It goes far deeper than that. And so that's why today I do want to look at the secret of contentment. What does the Bible have to say about contentment? How can we like Paul say in every situation that we have learned to be content? I do have three points today. Uh, Point number one, uh, the contentment that we see in Paul's life. Point two, challenges to contentment. And three, the secret of contentment and how we cultivate it. So the contentment that we see in Paul's life. In the passage that I read earlier today, Paul says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So what can we learn from Paul's life? Paul faces so many circumstances that I honestly hope I never have to. But I think it's important to outline some of the situations that he does face because it makes his response of contentment even more amazing. Paul is the writer of the book of Philippians and, as you know, prior to becoming a Christian, he was a persecutor of Christians. Uh, Acts chapter 8, 1 to 4, describes uh, Paul's life prior to becoming a Christian in this way. And Saul approved of Stephen's persecution. And so Saul becomes Paul after his conversion. And there arose on that great day persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women And committed them to prison. At a time when Paul was still breathing murderous threats against the disciples. And seeking permission from the high priest. That if he found anyone who was a Christian. He could bring them into Jerusalem bound. God broke into this man's life. And brought him from death to life. Through an encounter with Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. However it was not an easy start to the Christian life for Paul. Upon his conversion, Paul says to Ananias, Go, for Paul is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. And Paul does suffer for the sake of the name of Jesus. He faces persecution for his faith. Faith. Ladies, every now and then, we do hear of Christians who are being persecuted for their faith, who are being martyred for their faith. But I think for us here in Sydney, Australia, it is so far from our experience. And yet when we do hear those stories, it's gut-wrenching. Yet for Paul, upon his conversion, he is bold about his new found faith. He goes and preaches Jesus in the, the synagogues. And almost immediately after his conversion, he faces persecution. The Jews plot to kill Paul. Uh, In the chapters following the recount of Paul's conversion, we read of Paul and Barnabas being stoned, attempts being made by both um, the Jews and the Gentiles to stone and mistreat them. And again, at one stage in Antioch, the Jews stone Paul and drag him into the city, supposing he was dead. Not only that, but Paul also experiences (laughs) relational difficulties. I do think this is something that all of us have faced and all of us can identify with. When Paul first becomes a Christian, he attempts to join the disciples in Jerusalem. And yet, instead of them being excited by the fact he's become a Christian, they're afraid of him and they don't really believe he has actually become one. Imagine that. You've become a Christian, you're fearing for your life, you go to brothers and sisters in Christ who you think will help you and yet they're afraid, they're scared. Much of Paul's ministry is spent ministering alongside Barnabas and yet Paul and Barnabas separate after a sharp disagreement. In Galatians we read about Paul having to confront the Apostle Peter because of the hypocrisy and the fact that he's leading others astray by what he's saying. Paul also has a sick sick friend, Epaphroditus. Paul wants to send Epaphroditus to the Philippians to encourage them, but he, he writes, indeed he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Lord, I think we can identify with the challenges that Paul faces. I think all of us can think of a time where we have had sharp disagreements with those that we are friends with, where we have grieved for a friend or a family member who is sick. In Corinthians two, eleven, twenty-three 23-28, Paul again outlines some of his hardships. I am talking like a madman with far greater labours, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes lest one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on my life, uh, sorry on me, of my anxiety for all the churches. Ladies, I get exhausted just reading that list, let alone actually experiencing the trials and the hardships that Paul has faced. And yet, this is who we're learning from today, ladies. This is a man that knows hardship. This is a man that knows difficulties. And yet, he can say, in all things, I have learned to be content. Paul also faces imprisonment. Finally, um, uh, he was imprisoned for his faith. And that's where Paul is writing his letter to the Philippians. However, how does Paul view his imprisonment? He says, I want you to know, brothers, (laughs) That what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Not only that, Paul says that most of the brothers have become more confident in the Lord because of his imprisonment, that they're much more bold to speak the word without fear. What a matter of perspective, ladies. Paul's in prison, he's not grumbling. He's not complaining. He says that his circumstances have been used for the advancement of the gospel. It challenges me, it encourages me, and it blows me away. Um, this is a man who knows suffering. This is a man who knows what it is to be persecuted, who knows what it is to be brought low, who knows what it is to be abound, to abound. And yet, in every and any circumstance... Paul has learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So why do I share Paul's story? Because Paul says what you have received and learned in me and heard in me, practice these things and the peace of God will be with you. Chances are I have not walked through the same struggles that you are walking through um, or have struggled with the same temptations that you're struggling with. So it's not me, like I said at the beginning, that I want us to learn from. It is the Apostle Paul. Um, I want us to be able to say with him, in the midst of my circumstances, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And ladies, that's the secret. This is what I want us to know. This is what I want us to move from our heads to our hearts. Paul knows that he can be content in his circumstance because God gives him the strength to do so and he trusts in him. The secret of living amid life's difficulties and challenges is trusting in God in such a way that we can say, um, uh, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. However, ladies, I think there are some real challenges to contentment. Um, Some of the challenges that I've experienced in my own life, uh, first one is comparison. A number of years ago, I listened to a talk by Carolyn Mahaney uh, called The Snares of Compare. (laughs) The Snare of Compare. This talk had a major impact on my life. Um, It really helped me understand the the dangers of comparing myself to other people, to other women. And I think comparing ourselves uh, to other people, to other women, to other situations can breed discontentment. Rather than producing good fruit, I think it often leads us to grumble about our circumstances, to wish our circumstances were different. It can lead to pride, but I think for most of us it doesn't. It leads to discontentment and wanting something different. Um, When I was young, it would be the simple things that I would compare my life to. Why can't my parents drive a car like theirs? Why can't I live in a house like theirs? Um, However, as I got older, the comparing didn't stop. why, if only I had a boyfriend like my best friend. Um, if only I looked that good in that pair of jeans. Um, if only I heard from God like they do. If only my faith was as strong as, uh, as theirs. If only I could get married. If only I could earn more money. I think when we compare ourselves, it breeds discontentment. Um, and um, I think secondly, I think another challenge to contentment is when a desire, uh, when a when a good desire becomes an idol. Um, at the end of year twelve, I weighed a lot. I, I think my staple diet in year twelve involved, um, oh, can I block this? Scabbing, <laughs> scabbing money at the canteen and then buying um, buying CCs and a chocolate paddle pop. Um, and by the end of year twelve, I, I was quite heavy. Um, <laughs> at um, at the start of first year uni, I started swimming, I started eat, eating healthy, um, and to be honest, when I started doing these things, I actually wasn't thinking about uh, losing weight, I was just thinking about being healthy. But the byproduct of that was the weight just started to fall off, and I think in the end, I lost about 14 kilos. Um, and I think that was actually a really good thing, because I was unhealthy, and my diet was not wholesome by any stretch of the imagination. Um, however... What I soon noticed in myself, this this good thing quickly became an idol. What I noticed is I started comparing myself to other women. I started, when someone walked in the door, do I look that good? Am I that skinny? Uh, am I fatter than them? Am I skinnier than them? And all of a sudden, this good thing had become an idol and was consuming me. I would be at a social sit- social situation Oh, if I eat that, what will that do to my weight? What will that do to my figure? And all of a sudden, rather than enjoying the good gift of food that God has given us, it had become an idol. And I think for all of us, we can take a good thing um, and give it a place that it does not belong. I think another example is friendship. Friendship is a a good gift from God. But I think as women, we can idolise friendship. I know for me that there have been times where I've really struggled with my friendship. I've been jealous of the way I see other, other women interacting. Um, you know, I think it's so easy to think, why am I always the one that has to initiate catch-ups? Why can't other people care for me in the way I care for them? And so I think friendship <coughs> is a beautiful gift from God, but it's just another example where what is a beautiful gift from God becomes an idol and takes a place in our hearts that it should not take. So I think, don't misunderstand me, I think friendship can be difficult and sometimes our challenges with friendship can be um, as a result of times where we've been really hurt. But at the same time, I think it can also be like losing weight, like uh, having an abundance of money or not having enough money, uh, good things can become idols. Thirdly, I think social media can be a real challenge to our contentment. To be honest, I didn't actually think of this one. Um, I was listening to a talk on the Gospel Coalition on Contentment and they brought up um, just the danger of Instagram, Facebook, social media. I think we all know that people on the whole tend to put up posts that only portray the best. I think there are ladies in this room that actually are honest about their struggles and the things that they're walking through. But for most of us... um, We we don't put up the messy house. We don't put up the argument that we had with our children or the F that we got in our assignment. We tend to put up the best parts of our life. And as we trawl through Facebook, as we see other people's posts, it can cause discontentment. It can cause us to wish our life was different. It can actually cause us sometimes, if we really check our hearts, to be bitter at God at the, the hand we've been dealt. Maybe for you it's not a temptation and praise God for that. But I think for me if I left my heart unchecked it can cause discontentment. Um, I think the other thing is with social media is the amount of advertising that's thrust upon us as we're, we're scrolling through those feeds. Um, for me, CrossFit gear is a weakness. So uh, when I see CrossFit posts, I think, oh, that would help me perform better or that would help me lift better and no sooner have I clicked on and purchased. Um, thankfully, I have a husband that says no. Um, but I think, I think for all of us, maybe for you it's the domain ads and seeing the beautiful houses and thinking, oh, if only my house looked that good. Um, maybe for you it's seeing the number of constant, you know, uh, perfectly sized models in clothes that you only wish you owned. Um, or the, the perfect family that is there and you look around and, and there's struggles going on in your house. Um, I don't know what your weakness is, ladies, but I think social media can definitely be a challenge to contentment. These are examples that I see in my own life. For you, there will be other things. Some of these are superficial, but some of these are actually real challenges if we don't check our hearts in these situations. Um, so, Paul has learned the secret of being content. So how do we experience our contentment too? Let me read the passage I read at the beginning. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me." Herein lies the secret, ladies. It is in Christ that we can face plenty, we can face hunger, we can abound, or we can be brought low. Christ will help us in the situations that we face. He will give us the strength that we need. So point three, the secret of contentment. Uh, Melissa Kruger in in an article on the Gospel Coalition writes, contentment is not the fruit of perfect circumstances or a calm constitution. It's the result of trusting in the Lord. Paul faced fear, anxiety, physical dangers and ministry difficulties just like we all do. Yet... He faces these struggles prayerfully and with a deep assurance in the goodness of God. I think, ladies, at times in my own life when I've struggled, it's because I'm not trusting God. It's because I don't have a deep assurance that God is good, that God is with me, that God is working in my situation. And I think, ladies, in all reality, this can actually be really hard for us when we think about the circumstances that we're in. And yet... Paul's example is recorded for us in scripture. Um, And it's not just Paul's examples to the Philippians, it's, it's God's word that is applicable for us here today in 2017. However, in saying that, I am so aware that we are all walking through different challenges, different struggles. I don't know everything that you're walking through, But I think for some of you, work has been really difficult, whether that be relationally with colleagues, whether that be a boss that doesn't recognise your gifts, your talents, your abilities, um, or the hours that you put in. For some of you, every morning you wake up with anxiety about the idea of going to work, or you wish that you had a different role. For some of you, it may be a battle with a prolonged sickness, um, or infertility, or for a a sin that you can't seem to be put to death. And your constant question is, oh Lord, how long? You've prayed many times that God would heal you, that God would give you a child, that God would help you in your struggle with sin, but it appears that he hasn't answered your prayer. You often reminisce about the good old days where your body didn't hurt or you had more energy or you catch yourself dreaming about what a life with children would look like um, or or you just you long for the day where it, there is not that daily fight with that struggle with sin. Maybe you're walking through a financial difficulty ladies where you honestly don't know where the money will come from for your next bill or you think, can we actually afford to stay in the house that we're in? For others, you are single and this causes great anxiety. Um, You wonder sometimes, has the Lord forgotten you? Um, Or secondly, there seems to be no possibility in sight. For others of you, singleness is not the challenge, but having all your friends getting married, there is the challenge of loneliness. For others, you may have a friend who's betrayed or gossiped about you, or a husband who's not leading you. Um, For others, you're in a really busy season, and it seems like you're always catching your tail. Um, For some of you, you struggle with your looks. And it's a real cause of discontentment and anguish. Um, Or for some of you, it's just the lack of sleep because your children don't sleep. Or possibly, I've not even come close to the trials that you're facing for the struggles that you're enduring. Um, And so when I mention the word contentment, for many of you, there will be a different thing that pops into your head. Ladies, these examples are hard. They will have brought many of us to tears. Please know, contentment is not devoid of emotion. We can be content even in the midst of the emotion that we are experiencing with the different circumstances that we're facing. And so I'm not gonna make light of anyone's situation. I'm not gonna say, just think positive thoughts. Um, but I do want us to be equipped ladies. Uh, there are many circumstances that we will face. And I think often we struggle to cross, uh, trust God So often the opposite of contentment is fear, anxiety, disappointment and a lack of joy. I think sometimes when we're discontent, we try to fix things on our own. So we feel like we've uh, regained some control of some aspect of our lives, or we buy things so that we start to feel better. Um, For me, when I'm feeling discontent or or uh, dissatisfied in a circumstance, Ollie knows, and he knows pretty quickly, Because my temptation is to rearrange the pantry, a wardrobe, the house, um, anything that I can that I think has become a little bit messy, I will rearrange it and Ollie will come home and he's like, all right, what's going on? And where's the peanut butter? Um, and, And I think for me, rather than trusting in God, I try to micromanage my situation. I try to regain control in some area of my life because I'm feeling so out of control in this area of my life. Um, But what does Paul do? He faces his circumstances prayerfully and with a deep assurance that God is good. So ladies, what I'm not saying, (laughs) I'm not saying if you are content, you will never experience pain, you will never experience heartache or you will never experience sadness. I think Dave did a wonderful job on Sunday reminding us that we will face trials of various kinds and we are to expect them. But I think... Um, we see biblically King David experiences, he experiences um, pain, he cries out to God. We see this in the Psalm and yet so often, what does Paul do? Uh, what does King David do? Sorry, He reminds himself of who God is in his situation. Um, I think, um, secondly, ladies, at times you will wish your situation was different. Um, You know, for many of you, if you have a sick family member or someone has died, there is pain with that. There is a sense of, Lord, why did this have to happen? However, I think the bottom line is, the distinguishing factor is that even in the most difficult of circumstances, we will be able to still say, I trust you, God. Ultimately, Jesus is our greatest example, our greatest, of, uh, our greatest hope. And we see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane telling the disciple that his soul was very sorrowful, even to death. And then he falls on his face and he prays, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Despite the enormity of the situation Jesus is facing, he ultimately submits To the Father's will But what does he say again My Father if it is possible Let this cup pass from me Nevertheless not as I will But as you will Contentment is not achieved Or arrived at when our life circumstances Are under control But we like Paul Can be content in the midst Of our circumstances Paul says earlier in the book of Philippians But whatever gain I had counted I counted as loss for the sake of Christ Indeed I count everything as loss Because of the surpassing worth Of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord For his sake I have suffered the loss Of all things and count them rubbish In order that I may gain Christ Paul learned the secret By trusting in God So for us It is when our confidence And trust are in God That we can experience contentment Verse 13 of the passage I read today says I can do all all things through him who strengthens me. What an amazing promise, ladies. This is a promise for us today. Like Paul, we can have contentment in every and every circumstance because we know in whom we trust. It's not our strength that will get us there. It is God. So um so many of you are such an encouragement in this area. The way you trust God, the way you seek to make the most of the season you're in whether that be at work, whether that be at home with the kids, whether that be in singleness, uh, whether that be um, with sickness. Um, And many of you are such an encouragement by the way you trust Christ. You seek to make much of him uh, in the way you live your life. So finally, what are some of the ways that we can actually cultivate contentment? I have um, four points that I would like to share. I think first and foremost, prayer. I, I always think of Michael, uh, Mike Paselich for those of you who know him. He, his favourite cry was, prayer equals dependence upon God uh, and I think, look he got it from somewhere else, someone else I'm sure, but I think that's so true, prayer equals dependence upon God and Paul models this, Paul is a man of prayer. We see it throughout his letters, praying for people, um, encouraging people by what he had been praying for them. Um, We can boldly approach the throne of grace through Jesus Christ. We have this Holy Spirit working in us to make us more like um, Jesus Christ. In difficult circumstances, we can cry out to God for peace, for contentment, for the ability to view our circumstances in light of the gospel and in the midst of our circumstances that our gaze will be on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. Sometimes I think we can be disconsent Because our gaze has moved down a little bit Um, It's consumed by what is right in front of us God promises to give us peace that transcends all understanding Trust God to renew your thinking And supply all your needs uh, in Christ Jesus That was Paul's confidence Ladies, ask people to pray for you Um, God promises to give grace to the humble But opposes the proud Ask people to pray for you. Share your burdens with one another. Ladies, for those of you who have walked through difficult circumstances, share how God has supplied all your needs. Share how God has transformed your thinking. Be an encouragement to one another, but pray for one another. I think growing in contentment starts with prayer. Secondly, cultivate right thinking. We start our passage today with, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable—if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise—think about these things. Uh, if you were to see a transcript of my mind, it would not resemble this. However, <laughs> I think um, I think this is so important. What are we filling our mind with? So often, Dave uses the quote by Bruce Milne, at every point, right living begins with right thinking. And I think this is so true in the case of contentment. Uh, In his book, Spiritual Depression, The Cause and Cure, of which I've started many times but never finished, it's like one of those old school books and the print's tiny and the pages are yellow, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones writes, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. Take those thoughts that first come that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You have not originated them, but they are talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday, etc. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. And I think this quote is so true ladies. So often we're listening to ourselves rather than preaching truth to ourselves. Um, for Ollie and I, the journey of trying for children has been more than two years. And whilst I know for some of you, your wait in this room has been far longer. Um, most months have been okay um, because I have trusted in God and I, I have been. my eyes have been fixed on him. However, there have been some months where I've been so dis- discontent and often... What I find in those months is that I'm listening to myself rather than preaching truth to myself. I've told myself, um, God hasn't given me a child because I'll be a terrible mother. Or I've told myself, God knows what I can handle and obviously I just can't handle being a mother. And so all of a sudden my gaze has shifted down and I'm listening to myself rather than preaching truth to myself. Um, But in most months I have been content in the waiting. And why? Because I preach truth to myself. I've reminded myself that my heavenly father knows me. He knows how to give good gifts. Um, I've reminded myself that God's plans for me are perfect and that his timing is perfect and that I can trust him completely. Um, And I think Paul does that. When you see him in prison, what does he say? That his situation has served to advance the gospel. There was one time at the beginning of the year and I was talking to a lady and I was talking about you know, trusting God in the season of waiting and, and I left and it was like maybe God can use this season of waiting to bring him glory um, but ladies it's a matter of right thinking it's a matter of perspective so where do we see right thinking in Philippians? I think there's many places some I've already mentioned Um, But I also think one of these is when Paul is thanking uh, the Philippians at the beginning of chapter 1, and he reminds the Philippians, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Paul is confident in him who he believes. I think sometimes we lack contentment in our circumstances because we actually don't trust God will come through. Um, We doubt God's love for us. We haven't reminded ourselves that we are to expect trials in this life, but ultimately God is working for his glory and our good. Um, (coughs) I think, let me just read you, I think one of the passages that demonstrates this beautifully is Lamentations 3, um, 19. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But... This I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will have hope in him. Regardless of how difficult our circumstances is, regardless of how potentially bored we are with the monotony of life or how restless we are. We need to remind ourselves that God is sovereign in our circumstances, that he loves us, that he has not forsaken us and that he will bring the good work that he has started to completion. Um, Point number three, I think closely linked with this is, um, is that we need to keep growing in sound doctrine. We need to be reading good books. We need to be reading scripture. We need to be listening um, to talks so that we can be filling our mind, uh, so that we can be preaching truth to ourselves. Uh, the book that we've been reading, Adorned, uh, by Lancy D. Moss, I think it's Volgamoth, but I'm never quite sure. Um, <laughs> in her chapter on doctrine says, even those of us who are, uh, who are long-time Christians can be misled by false or skewed beliefs we've picked up somewhere. If we aren't intentional about where our hearts and minds are planted and watered, we can't expect to end up with a healthy crop. Bad doctrine, bad fruit. Good doctrine, good fruit. Ladies, know scripture. Learn passages of the Bible. 2 Timothy 3:16 to 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God. And and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction And for training in righteousness That the man of God may be complete Equipped for every good work Um, For those of you who either lead in SG Kids Or have children in SG Kids Use those Bible verses as a starting point If you don't know where to start Team up with a friend, encourage one another Let's learn a verse um, a week Um, Be reading, let's be filling our mind with the truth of scripture Um, And I think then, um, call to mind. I think many of you do this, uh, call to mind scripture. Many of you do this exceptionally well. Many of you are able to encourage others with the truth of scripture and that is such a blessing uh, to all of us. Um, There have been times when I've not known a way forward. There have been times where I've been faced with two equally good decisions and, and that's caused anxiety. That's caused discontentment. It's caused restlessness how do I fight this one is I have people around me but secondly I remind myself of truth Proverbs 3 5 to 6 says trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight and so practically I pray through this scripture okay Lord I don't know what to do I don't know which way to go Um, but I choose to trust in you please make my path straight Please help me to have peace that transcends all understanding. Um, Please guide and protect me. Ladies, scripture is our sword. Scripture is our weapon. So let's be growing in sound doctrine. And I think finally, um, uh, cultivate a heart of thankfulness. Portal models this in in his letters. He talks about the things that he is thankful for. And I think one of the quickest and most effective ways to fight discontentment um, by the grace of God is cultivating a heart of thankfulness bringing to mind those things that we can be thankful for. I think that helps us to fight grumbling. It helps us to fight complaining Um, and it helps us to see that God is actually at work and God is doing things. Philippians 4 says, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, this is such an encouragement. Uh, Girls, this is such an encouragement. The (laughs) Lord is saying to us, present your requests to me. Come to me. I'm your heavenly Father who wants to hear from you, but at the same time, do it with thankfulness. Um, And if you don't know where to start, start small thank God for the world that we live in the weather the beautiful creation Um, you know thank God for your family for for the food that you can afford for the clothes that you can wear and then you can thank God for the fact that we have been brought from death to life that we have a hope uh, that will never perish spoil or fade Um, we have the we can thank God um, for so many things so do cultivate a heart of thankfulness Um, And I think as we do that, um, we are less likely to grumble or complain. We are more likely to trust God, to be able to thank God. And I think the fruit of that is contentment uh, in the circumstances that we face. So, lady, Paul does teach us the secret of contentment. It is that we can do all things. We can face all things. We can do all things through him who strengthens us. When we are faced with difficult circumstances... Let us hold on to this hope May we prayerfully endure uh, whatever circumstances we face May we be praying for each other May we be encouraging each other May we be reminding each other of truth um, So that we can ultimately rest in our saviour We can rest in the author and perfecter of our faith Knowing that God is good That he loves us and that he is working out all things for his glory and our good. May we trust him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your word. We thank you um, that by your power you have given us everything for life and godliness. Lord, I do pray for the ladies here today that are facing difficult circumstances. Lord, circumstances that have caused sleeplessness, circumstances that have caused... um, Hours and hours and hours of tears Lord may they know that you are with them May they know that you have not left them Nor forsaken them Um, Lord but you are right there with them Lord may they trust you Lord may they hold fast to the promises of your word And Lord may all of us grow uh, in our knowledge of who you are May all of us grow in our knowledge of your goodness And may all of us trust you uh, more and more every day (coughs)